presented by Calabria, where we discuss contact center industry trends and best practices, as well as sharing success stories and pain points with some of the most innovative professionals in the industry. We're glad you are joining us to learn and grow together in order to provide world-class customer service to each and every one of our clients. My name is Dave Hoekstra, product evangelist for Calabrio, and my guests today are Craig Zweber, VP of Cloud Ops Security and Compliance for Calabrio, and Tim Wittenberg, Director of Information Security and Compliance for Calabrio. So we kind of have a, a couple of firsts. This is our first Calabrio employees part, and uh, we've got multiple people on the podcast. Thanks for joining me today, gentlemen. Thank you. Yep. All right. So one of the biggest things that we have seen out in the world, let's I would say today, but it's been a probably 20 year long or more problem is data security and compliance. And uh, I know that at Calabria, we get asked to be responsible for a lot of this quite a bit. And so what I thought today would be a really good conversation with you guys to have is some of the things that not just an enterprise organization can do, but maybe individuals and personal people could go towards securing their own data and making sure that a lot of the information out there, maybe we debunk a few myths today, maybe we get some good information in the hands of people. And I think, you know, we just want to have a good conversation about data security and what that means to not just Calabrio customers, but individuals that are out there in the day-to-day -day world. So the first thing I kind of want to ask you guys, and maybe is a good, uh, this is good to start with you, Craig, is, sure. you know, you told me that there are lots of misconceptions about data security. And I kind of want to start there. Let's, let's debunk some of the myths and some of the ideas that are out there about data security. So in your experience, what are some of those misconceptions that are out there? Yeah, there's there's a lot of different things, especially things that revolve around fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Are a good solid fun factor for those for that technical term. There's when you're connected to the internet and and use internet services. There's no such thing as perfect security. The perfect security is simply not to plug into the internet at all. But then our all of our devices and services would be pretty worthless if we did that. So really. Good security is about good diligence and and leveraging your partners and the software services that you use and really take advantage of the security updates and, and fixes that they provide. Keeping your stuff up to date and new is what keeps us ahead of a lot of the security trends and uh, tracking out there. There's a misconception out there that, well, if I have something old or something I don't necessarily fix, or keep up to date that that might be more secure when in fact those things are the things that can be taken advantage of along the way there's also we get hit a lot with uh some of uh, vendor providers that unless we buy their security product or service then we are somehow less secure because we don't have every particular bell and whistle available out there in the market and that, that's simply not true. Some just fundamental good security practices that we follow here at Calabrio are just as effective as buying 30 or 50 different products or services out there. So that's something that even our customers, if they get bombarded all along the way by, by all these people that say that they have the next best security thing, they actually don't. They're, they're marketing their wares just like the rest of us market our wares that aren't necessarily directly security related. Well, I feel like you know your your example of the the older the the older piece of technology 
it, it, I like it because it, it works. It's never failed me. Right. And it's funny because a lot of the old school thought process, I think goes back to automobiles, right? Back in the day when automobiles did not have any chips in them, there was no software in them. It was purely a mechanical thing. Those things were designed to last for years and years and years and years because you plug the key in, you turn the ignition. It was a purely mechanical process. As long as you kept the the mechanics up to speed, everything. And a lot of people still believe that, right? We're going to, we're going to talk a lot about my mother-in-law and father-in-law today. I think I have this feeling. And the, 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 the problem is that the old school automobile never had anything updated on it. It was always exactly what it was when it first started. The problem now with technology is that older pieces of technology or even newer pieces of technology that have been a little bit farther out from the update, those are the ones that are most vulnerable, right? Because like you said, people are always creating new ways to exploit. That's right, Dave. So one of the things that's happening, of course, in the software industry, you mentioned a lot of this computer technology is different than an old car because it has a computer in it, all right? And there's software and, and that software is constantly being examined for vulnerabilities by all kinds of hackers and people who would try to steal information. And so literally, if, if something goes out of date, like an operating system is basically determined to be obsolete, it's automatically put into the highest security risk because there's nobody patching it or nobody fixing it. And so if you are operating some of that software, you are at risk. So to your point, the older software is going to be the most vulnerable in general. So when you say at risk, Tim, what, what, what do you mean there? Like what's, what does risk mean in this context? In simple terms, it just means something that's high risk is most likely to be exploitable. So just like all kinds of innovation is happening in software in general, the tools that hacker you, hackers use are also being automated and updated. So it used to be when a, a vulnerability or a weakness in software was discovered, it used to take months or years for an automated hack to become available. That is a script that can be used to exploit the vulnerability to steal your information if you happen to have the vulnerability. But now instead of a year or months, it's literally hours. So when a vulnerability is discovered in a piece of software, you can literally have somebody attacking that vulnerability with an automated script in a matter of hours. That's what's happened in the last five years. So in that example, let's 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 use the world's most popular operating system. I'm not going to say what it is because we don't want to do that to them, but let's just say I have a lot of them on my house that I use to view my street during the day. The minute a new version comes out, it is automatically being attacked by automated scripts. Is that kind of what you're talking about? I would say well, within hours. Yeah. Okay. And the Minute reason for hour. that are the tools have become automated and the process for writing scripts has become more and more automated over time. So it's just, you know, the general watchword is like Craig said, if, you know, keep your software current, if a patch comes out, apply the patch. If you haven't, you know, on your phone, when a new version of the operating system becomes available, update it, apply the patch, take the few minutes of time. People don't like to uh, do those updates because it takes a few minutes. It's well worth it because it it's going to buy you more security. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's a great point that you guys are kind of trying to make is that 
you know, when my father-in-law looks at his phone and it says there's a new update, his fear is that something's going to get moved around. His fear is that uh, a word's going to change or he's not going to be able to find the same app that he used to have. But in reality, isn't that kind of just the very tip of the iceberg that we see? What's really happening in those updates are all of those vulnerabilities are being taken care of that are discovered in that time frame. Exactly. Okay. Exactly right. That's, I think that's a that's a great point to make. Is that we all we all tend to look at these updates as visual or UI based, but in reality, they're probably almost exclusively security based. So that should give people an idea of what we're facing here. So it's interesting that we we've kind of talked about this, and you guys are trying to educate people, which is just great. But there are a lot of organizations out there that kind of live and live and die by these these particular approaches. So these are something that I know we at Calabrio and you guys probably in particular have to deal with a lot during day to day. But there are a lot of different organizations out there that provide certifications of security. Now, I know probably yours are a little more focused on the enterprise software side, which is great. But, you know, we talk about some of the really big ones like GDPR and or or those types of things but what are some of the certifications you have to deal with on a day-to-day basis and how do they help organizations secure their data sure so we we have three main certifications that we obtain every year the first thing i would just tell you though is that we actually operate a security program that's based on something called the nist cybersecurity framework so craig was mentioning some misconceptions about security there are lots of those around If you want to dispel all of those uh, misperceptions, go and read the NIST cybersecurity framework because it will tell you exactly how to secure confidential information of any kind. So one of the great secrets is there is no secret, right? The the way to protect information is well-documented and well-understood by security folks. So you can, anyone can go read that, but so- And so that's what, like a good solid 15, 20 minute read? Something like that? <laughs> How about 15 to 20 hours? No. Okay. <laughs> so I don't want to kid you. It, it, there's, you know, there's a lot of kind of jargon in that, but but it does give you pretty much very straightforward uh, instructions on how to protect that data. So we we basically adopt have adopted that program, and that is it, it lays out a number of capabilities to protect information. And what we do is are setting up the capabilities in our company. We've already established them. And what we're doing year over year is maintaining the maturity, measuring the maturity and improving the maturity of all those different capabilities to protect information. So where the audits come in is we have three different ways of checking using outside parties how effective those different protections are working. And so the first method we use is we have a SOC 2, something called a SOC 2 audit, And that goes and looks at all of our different infrastructure components, the servers and the databases and the different software. And it checks to see how well we're protecting that that information, the software, the systems, the data. And so that's important. The other audit that we get is we get an ISO 27001 audit. That one is more important from our international perspective and our customers out in the world because it's just widely known and and more, I guess you'd say, respected out there in the international markets. Then the third one we get is a PCI. So we are not a credit card processor under PCI. We are what's called a service provider because we provide a service to our customers who may or may not process credit cards. And so we get a third one called the attestation of compliance from the PCI world. 
And so all those audits basically just essentially provide assurance to our customers that we're serious about security and we have third parties come in and validate that our security is operating effectively each year. And Craig, what kind of work goes into secure? I mean, I don't even know what the right terminology is. Passing those audits, securing those security certifications. What kind of work goes into uh, to those processes? Yeah, all those, as as Tim mentioned, with the with the security capabilities, each capability is has got a review process or procedure around that. So you can think of who has got administrative rights into a particular area of the application. We have to review that list of administrators on a periodic basis and prove to the auditors that we actually have done that review and prove that we've taken any appropriate action should we find something misconfigured in that particular review. So every single one of those rules that are in the NIST cybersecurity framework has another process or rule around it that we have to show that we are actually following the security best practices. So we have a bunch of manual process, I like to call them the army of people with clipboards, right? They go around and, and, you know, and they might manually go through the checklist and ask us, hey, did you perform your security audit this month or this week or this, this quarter? We collect that data, other things, and we're working more so towards this is to have the computers help us audit the computers in the end. So it's a term that we've worked to coin, Tim and I here, uh, called continuous assurance. Mm-hmm. It's more becoming more broadly accepted in the industry where we don't necessarily come around and do audits on a periodic basis. We are working to actually programmatically detect every single change and make sure that every single change actually stays in compliance real time. So that will save us a lot of time. We can start to reduce the size of that army of people with clipboards and and go towards all automated processes around that. So it's a it's a it's a twenty four seven thing. It's not a shoe we're done. Okay, now I can stop for six months and stop thinking about this. Right? It's kind of a continuous yeah. process. Twenty four seven three sixty five. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah I like no that. holidays either. That's right. right. Yeah. I know. Well, that's that's yeah. why you guys are so well paid and, and good looking, right? It's the it's the the uh, super glamorous life of information <laughs> security out there. That, 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 that's right. Yep. <laughs> now let's take let's take some. Someone who might not have the greatest understanding. I mean, we've thrown around some really good jargon today, right? ISO 27001 and, you know, really kind of interesting. But if I were kind of starting from maybe not scratch, but I really, you know, from an enterprise standpoint, where could I really go to start to understand what's going on? So, Tim, I think, you know, you gave me some pretty good ideas when we talked before um, about some really simple things to do. But, you know, maybe let's start. What's what are some simple things that people can do to understand and then maybe progress to a little bit more complex? Sure. So I think as we've stated here that, you know, good security, it, it really involves a lot of common sense. And so, for example, passwords, we've talked about not using passwords that are too simple. So, you know, people, there's a kind of a joke about, you know, somebody hacked my password. Now I have to change the name of my dog because my password was my dog's name, right? Those sorts of things. And so use a longer password. Those are generally more secure. Mix it up. So don't don't use uh, dictionary words because the common method for hacking passwords is to have a huge list of commonly used words and phrases. And uh, if a hacker gets a hold of your account and they're, they're going to try to, you know, 
try all sorts of known phrases and words. So mix it up, add some letters and numbers, make a long password. Probably one of the biggest things is don't reuse passwords from your personal accounts. Don't reuse those passwords for your Calabrio accounts or accounts that you use for business. And one of the reasons for that is there's a website called haveibeenpwned.com. And uh, we can talk about how that's spelled, but they keep track of all the hacked passwords. And there are billions, literally billions of hacked passwords. So if you reuse one of those for your, one of those is yours, you reuse that for a Calabrio account, then you're vulnerable because a hacker can basically pull up that huge list, try it, try it, you know, if they guess, and that's your Calabrio account, they're, they're in. So simple thing, don't reuse passwords. Personally, I cannot believe that the word pwned is a word. Right, <laughs> something that kind of originated from online gaming, and and it was just absolutely the most slang of slang words. And now I'm listening to two informational security professionals using the word pwned. I love it. Uh, that's great. Okay, so sorry. Continue. Passwords is an important part. What are some of the other maybe areas that we could start? Sure. So I, let me just I'll keep going on that, that yeah. point. So I haven't, I've had an email account at Comcast for something like 15 years. And so I went to that site, checked it out. Turns out the password has been stolen. So it was something like 13 or 14 times. So instead of me panicking, I went and changed my password again. But then I also turned on this thing called two-step authentication. So mm -hmm. general point, if your, your service, if it's Facebook or you know some Calabrio service that's been, being used in the company, turn on the two-step authentication. So what that basically is, is instead of, instead of just authenticating with a password, it, you may also get a text message that gives you a little code. It shows up on your phone and then you put that into your account. And then you have to log in with both a password and this extra number, extra pin code. So things like that are very effective at, at keeping this, uh, this hack attempt method from working. So somebody finds a stolen password from one of your old accounts and you have reused it on a customer account. If you've got you know, this two-factor or two-step authentication activated, that will stop. So I, I keep using my email address, the same account that I've had for years and years, because I've turned on the two-step authentication and people should be doing that in general everywhere they can. And yes, it, do, it, does, it is more time consuming, but believe me, the peace of mind that is well worth it. Okay. So those are great from a personal level, right? And enterprise level. I mean, obviously my, my password to log into my email and things like that, whether I'm doing personal or, or my work email is important, but what about more on an enterprise level? What are some of the, the some of the places that someone could start with a good strategy? Uh, okay. So there's, there's that, the password management thing is, is pretty good. And then the other thing is just to think about phishing emails. So I'll just, I think we've all talked about phishing emails from a corporate perspective. Those are very deadly because if you get an email in your corporate inbox and, and it is a phishing email and you click on the link, what happens is that email will generally, if you click on a link or an attachment, it'll download malware right onto your workstation. And that bypasses all of the other protections that we put in place, like firewalls and you know, all these various layers of intrusion detection and so forth don't work because you've clicked on an email and it put, you know, malware right onto your laptop and there was nothing we could do to stop that. So, so being careful about, 
you know, recognizing phishing emails. We train on it every year. You know, they generally tend to create a sense of urgency. Hey, you're, you know, this is Chase Bank. You've got, you know, something wrong with your account. Click on this link right away. Well, you can get those in your corporate, you know, inbox just like you can in your personal inbox. So it's especially important to be aware of those things in a corporate environment. I think I'll just stop there. You know, I'm sure Craig's got some comments on that too, maybe. Well, and Craig, yeah. that's what I was going to ask is is kind of just going along that exact. Uh, so passwords and phishing, are those the two biggest vulnerabilities that are out there? And uh, if there's one bigger, we'd like to know. But otherwise, what are some other things that maybe they have to be careful? Those those two things are, are definitely big on the social engineering side of, of things, you know, taking advantage of what people know or or taking advantage of behaviors to to gain a leg up. That's that's definitely ways to protect yourself over there. Is, is be aware of those passwords and phishing. On on the on the corporate side, we we touched on it. Keeping things up to date is critical, right? And and leveraging those re- reputable services out there. Folks like Microsoft and AWS, they spend billions of dollars on information security to provide secure services out there. So leveraging those services trusting those services and accepting those updates from those people. They they know best and us as individuals and only the largest of the large enterprises can spend that much money on security every year. So leverage what they have to offer, leverage what they what they preach and definitely take those updates. Keep things up to date. I keep hearing a phrase that pops up, not necessarily on this discussion, but, but many other times, what, what a, a pen test. Can you, what, what is a pen test and what, what do those do for us? So a pen test is where we literally hire third-party hackers to come in and try to hack our software. So in our case, we run a pen test every year of, of our Calabria One software and we hire third-party hackers each year to come in and, and it's kind of an open door test. We give them an account, we give them a password, we say, here you go, see what you can do. Try to find vulnerabilities in our software. And so it's it's actually, I mean, we and we take the results extremely seriously. So if we find anything at all, we quickly go fix those things so that, uh, you know, it, it's not the, the true hostile hackers that are finding these things for us. We are obviously on a hunt for those to find them and fix them first. So which is a bigger danger to an organization? Social engineering, hacking, or phishing? If you if you had to pick the worst one, which one's the what's one's the one that makes you lose the most sleep at night? Craig, what, what would you say? Phishing, definitely. Just because it creates that sense of urgency. After that would be social engineering. Phishing is a type of social engineering, but social engineering, those who are kind of vulnerable to to the the fast talker, right? You get that phone call and suddenly you're really interested in the conversation and you just have to stop and think, wait a minute, why would my bank call me or send me an email asking me to verify my own information? That doesn't that doesn't make any sense. Or they, better they yet, all the why would they, my bank call me to tell me there's a problem with my account? And the only way I can fix that is to give you a gift card code off the back of a gift card. Yeah. Right. A, co- At- a common one I get is uh, is I get a, a text message that claims that, hey, this is my CEO. Right. Okay. I'm in this important customer meeting. And we forgot to bring our, you know, the gifts for them 
could you go to the store and and pick up several $500 gift cards? It's well, crazy you mentioned is- I'm sorry, crazy you mentioned that because yesterday yeah. I got a text message from my son's president of his company. Yes. And yep. I had never heard of that particular social engineering hack. I yeah. uh, you know and so I sent my son a text. I was like I think I just got a text that was meant for you. And now granted, there were no links. And I was literally in my head trying to conceive how this would lead to a scam. But you just laid it out for me right there. If I had texted back and said, hey, what's up? I probably would have gotten that exact message of we need to go get some gift cards for these people in this meeting or something like that. Well, and it, it plays on our, our natural want to be good servants, to be good employees, to be you know good people and help others out. Well, they'll, they'll, the, the hackers will attempt to play on that, to take advantage of your, of your good nature to, to help people out and, and get something for themselves. Well, and you said something that I think really, I think will stick with a lot of people. You said you don't need expertise. Is that, is that fair? How, how, does that, how does that phrase work in your head to, to secure your own data? What does that mean? So, so I, th- I think people think one of the misconceptions is that to be secure, you have to be some sort of wizard at, you know, all this secretive technology. And Neo from the Matrix. You have to be, you know, <laughs> yeah. Mr. So Anderson. Yeah. You have to be able to crack all this fancy encryption. You, you know what I'm saying? And, and uh, I've been a hacker for 20 years before you, you earned your stripes. Then you're an expert hacker. But if, if you think about what, what both Craig and I have been talking about, you get more bang for your buck, if, if I can use that expression, you know, more return on just doing common sense things, you know, keeping your passwords current, updating your software, keeping that current, being careful not to click on suspicious emails. None of these things are very technical or very complicated. And so literally just common sense is going to give you a very good result. The thing that I've taught my kids in their throughout their life and and you know my family and and is that we as human beings have a very finely tuned sense of things not being right but we've been taught our whole lives to ignore it whether it's to be polite or to to go with the flow and what i teach them is that if their brain ever says huh that's weird that you really need to listen to that 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 part of your brain that says that we've all gotten the emails that say, you know, Hey, this is PayPal and you need to click on this link. And if we just went, Hmm, that's weird. And then took one extra step to verify that, Oh wait, this came from like some Russian link in, in the email address that it's like, okay, I'm not going to click on that. But I think we're, you're right. We, 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 they are very good at tapping into our, primal emotions of doing good or helping or fixing something that's broken, right? What's the old saying that if you ever want to get responses on the internet, just post something that's incorrect and yeah. and, and you will yeah. absolutely get it. I'm, I'm sure I'm butchering the, the phrase, but the, the idea. And so I think that that's really the point of what you guys are saying is, is that I can have the most, the highest ranking level in internet security that ever, but without the instinct of something's not right here, it's not worth very much. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, this, this has been absolutely 
I mean, honestly, I didn't think we could possibly make a fascinating conversation out of this. And and that's not a knock on you guys and what you do, but we've actually done a really good job. And I'm actually immensely proud of us. Yeah. <laughs> if I could toot our own horn for just a minute here. So yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I feel story. like I feel like this has been a really good what I want to do is first ask you guys, is there anything else? that you feel is really important to pass along to the listeners of the Calabria podcast here that could help them in their journey. If you, if you see anything suspicious, I mean, report it. I think we're getting trained to do that in the days of terrorism and, and all that type of stuff. Right. So on the, on the security front, yeah. Report it to your local security official, report it to your local security director. Don't call us directly. We simply don't have enough time to respond to everybody. <laughs> But if you see anything with any of our products and services, definitely call our support line. We're we're here to help. We're here to to fix and make sure that that our customers have got the the best service possible. So, okay, fantastic. So you are endorsing that if something does pop up that raises a red flag in in one of our users, support is the way to go through. Absolutely, absolutely. You yep. bet. That's, we that's we inform them and and support them in the in the best way possible to ensure that our customers stay secure. Right. And would you say there's no red flag too small? I would say yeah. that. Okay. Absolutely. Yes. So don't ignore your instinct, right? If, if something doesn't look right, you should definitely raise your hand and let somebody know about it. Fantastic. Unlike, unlike Tim and me, our support staffs are, are very friendly and, and love to talk to our customers. There's more of them than there are of us. So right. we're trying yeah. To yeah. Help there, you guys will hear service. about it. You guys will hear about it, but the, you yeah. know, let's let's uh, let's follow the, uh, the the proper protocol here. No, this has been great, you guys. I can't thank you enough for joining. I think this is going to be a really informative uh, discussion. A lot of people are going to find some tremendous value in. So, from I appreciate your time, Craig and Tim. You guys look forward to hearing more from you over the over the years. I have to say, you guys did a fantastic presentation a couple of weeks ago, which kind of led to this podcast, which is really great. And I thank you guys for for putting that together and really spurring a good discussion here on on uh, data security and what we can do there. So for those of you listening, thank you guys again for giving us some of your time. We appreciate it. And as always, if there's anything we can do for you, we are available at Calabrio.com. Please don't hesitate to reach out if there's questions we can answer or if you have a great idea for uh, more podcast issues. Let's let's have a chat about it. So Craig and Tim, thank you guys again. Thanks, thank you. Yeah. And everybody else, have a great rest of your day. And we'll talk to you soon on the next episode of Working Smarter from Calabrio. Thanks, everybody.